All right, good morning. We're about to get started here this morning. I hope everyone hope everyone has had a great week. Welcome to fall 2023 and welcome to adult Sunday school for uh, for the year. Thank you for getting up early and prioritizing coming here and digging into God's word this morning. Um, my name's Eric Bolton. Um, for those of you who don't meet, know me, I'm an elder here and I'm going to get us started on this class in uh, looking at Paul's epistle to the Romans. Um, on, on the on the uh, music stand there, as you walked in, there was a handout um, just kind of showing where we're going for the year. We'll go through that uh, this morning. I'm going to do a little introduction uh, to this book, and then we're going to have various teachers uh, that are going to come in throughout the fall uh, and the spring. We'll go over the schedule uh, when we get a little closer, or when we get closer to the end here, um, that we'll be looking at uh, different chapters in detail. We don't usually, in adult Sunday school, we don't usually go through whole books of the Bible because we do that um, twice a day uh, on the Lord's Day as we preach um, Lectio Continuum, which is word by word, verse by verse through the Bible. Um, oftentimes we use adult Sunday school as, as opportunities to engage with um, things in cultural or, or doctrinal um, studies and things like that, but we thought, the session thought, uh, in this cha- stage of congregational life, um, it's important for us to dig deep in a book, especially uh, the, the phase of the church that we're in, as well as um, culture, to dive into uh, a, a book uh, so important in the life of a Christian as Paul's letter to the Romans. So let me open us in prayer, and I'm going to try to give you guys a big picture of why uh, we're so excited about this topic and why uh, you guys should be as well. So let me, let me open us in prayer and, we'll, and we will get started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yes. We know that from you and through you and to you are all things. Uh, and we recognize that before the foundation of the world, uh, you were there. You spoke and brought all that is uh, into existence. All that ever will be, ever was, and ever is uh, came from your sovereign hand. Um, and in the midst of this, you created each of us in your image and called us to live uh, in this world at this time at this church, uh, to be salt and light, to be believers uh, in uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be Americans, uh, to be uh, engaged in the culture that you've placed us, and to be uh, ambassadors of truth uh, as we engage with those around us. Uh, So much similar, so much like others who have come before us just in different times. And I pray that you'd give us, as we, as we dive in this morning, uh, that you would give us perspective, long view perspective, um, and help us to not discount, but to value uh, the contributions of those who have come before us, 
brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as uh, Christians who have started the church and led the church uh, throughout time. Uh, give us this perspective as we look uh, to uh, Paul's letter, Paul's epistle to the Romans. Uh, give us uh, gratitude and perspective this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so your, your handout um, is not exactly what I'll show on the slides, and that's because we have to, we have, to uh, have a handout ready early enough to print, and we usually don't get our minds around what we're going to teach until sometime early this morning. So uh, that's the nature of life, um, especially if you're an elder teaching. You've got to do this at the last second. So a couple points of orientation, and then I want us to consider why we would do a Sunday school class on Romans. Um, I've got the introduction week, and so I'm not going to dive in, although we're going we're gonna to do a couple. We're going to dive in a little bit to get our toes wet and some verses just to, to, to kind of see a couple things, to illustrate a couple things. But as the weeks go on, uh, my brothers, and I'll be back as well teaching a, a couple different times, and Kyle as well, we'll be diving in um, to the different books of the Bible, or to the, sorry, the different chapters and verses. Uh, but I want to consider a couple high-level orientations and then um, some questions about why. So um, if you've got, you got your Bible open to, to the book of Romans, we're going to look at a couple things just from orientation. Um, when we've done these type of classes in the past, this first little table um, is a very helpful thing when you study the book of the Bible to understand things like content, author, date, recipients, occasion, which is, I added this for this book and then emphasis. Um, so right there at the top uh, in the handout, um, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Uh, some call this the, the Paul's thesis uh, of this letter. Now, a thesis, as we know, is, is kind of the, the main theme of, of some sort of a, a written work. And then you go about the defense of your thesis or expounding on the thesis as you, as you navigate through the letter. So some call these two verses the, the thesis or the main theme uh, in the book of Romans. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, content-wise, Romans is, as I wrote here in the, in the uh, introductory section, it's a letter of instruction and exhortation, uh, setting forth Paul's understanding of the gospel. The Jew and the Gentile together, uh, and you see this theme throughout, Paul is speaking to uh, the Christians um, in, uh, at the church in Rome, where you've got this coming together of <clears throat> um, a Jewish people, uh, that have their own set of presuppositions and understandings, uh, as well as Gentiles in a pretty hostile, uh, American-like, honestly, uh, culture. Uh, so you have two different perspectives going on, and Paul has to address and hit these two different perspectives uh, head-on in uh, this letter as these people are coming together uh, to worship God together from these two very different places. Um, so it's the Jew first and then the Gentile together to form one people uh, of God. And it's everybody uh, is all under the same understanding, different perspectives, uh, the same condition, uh, and 
the same answer to their problem, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, coming from this hostile culture or not. Okay, the author, the Apostle Paul, written around AD 57, 55 to 57, from Corinth to the church in Rome, and the occasion is interesting. So the occasion, um, and we know what the occasion of the writing of this letter is by kind of the way, you know, Paul always has greetings and salutations and then like thoughts about um, fondness. I, I've, I saw you here. I'm, I look forward to coming to see you. Um, you know, have me in your house if you don't mind and have, you know, make me some dinner. That'd be great as I pass through. Those kind of personal um, aspects to any tor- type of correspondence you see. And then you can infer uh, plans uh, or what was happening, uh, which gives you insight into occasion from different sections. So let's, if you turn over, um, and I'm going to do it on my phone to be quick. If you turn over to, ver- to chapter 16, um, now remember the, the, the letter was written um, uh, by Paul from Corinth and it was anticipating certain things so um, chapter 16 verse 1 and 2 I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Centuria that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So the occasion is on the proposed visit of Phoebe uh, to Rome and uh, this Priscilla and Aquila. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also their church in their house. So this house church, in, uh, Priscilla and Aquila's house church, uh, that occasion Uh, Also is the anticipated visit where this letter will be delivered. And then uh, we also, as I said before, there's there's a a reason to encourage the church in Rome because of perceived um, difficulties in Rome relating to this relationship between Jews and Gentiles. Those with the uh, with the background of the of the the law being the guide versus those with no background at all, right? And then coming together and you know, how do you interact in a context like that? And it sounds very similar to Christians today. And that's what I want us to think about. Think about, think about Paul in Rome and being a Roman Christian. And as best as you can, snap throughout this whole year, snap from that context and that occasion to you personally. Um, it's very important when you're, when you're doing it in, in church and in Sunday school classes and all these things. Apply, ask the Lord to apply these, these things, these examples, uh, to your life as a Christian. Uh, not in Rome, but in America in 2023 and how we live in light of that. Um, so there's this tension between the Jews and the Gentiles, and this letter is meant to kind of get people rightly oriented. Um, wake up, guys. This is the way it is. So let's, let's look here. Um, so the emphasis, salvation by grace alone, received through faith in Christ Jesus and affected by the Spirit. Uh, the failure of the law and success of the Spirit in producing true righteousness. So as we walk through uh, this, this letter, you're going to see, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, the book in general, uh, but you're going to see this very comprehensive statement of doctrine. So doctrinal foundation, and then around chapter 12, you're going to shift to right practice. So um, just this, 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 this book is, is just a wonderful place to go. I remember when Neil first came 
to Christ's covenant. Uh, we started Thursday morning. At the time, it was Thursday morning Bible study, and it was up in Oak Ridge, right beside Neil's house. We had the little Bistro 150 up there make breakfast for us, and a small group of us got together, small being a, 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 a number of men from the church, and then men from around the community as well came. And we first thing we did was dove right into uh, the book of Romans. You can get a lot uh, of what you need as a, as a new Christian and as a maturing Christian um, in the book of Romans. And so now we're coming back to that, which is at this large Sunday school class here for, uh, for that same purpose. Um, statement of doctrine, right understanding, right thinking, and then shifting in chapter 12 to how you live in the world in light of these truths. And that's what we're going to see. Um, so let's jump, into, let's jump into why here. If I can make this thing go. There we go. Okay, so why? It's important. Um, Why would we do this? So I've given three reasons. Everybody likes three. So why would we study the book of Romans? Why would we study the book of Romans in Sunday school? And why would we study the book of Romans now? Um, So... Three in no particular order and in no particular maybe even level of importance. But number one, America looks a lot like Rome shortly after the time of Christ right now. Uh, so I think and uh, the session believes that the writings here are always, all scripture is profitable. Um, but the writings here are particularly uh, relevant for our current context. And I think you'll see that as we go through, um, through the fall and into the spring. Number two, Paul's epistle to the Romans is filled with stout practicality that challenges readers to progress from right thinking to right practice to caring to take the same message to the world. And those are three very different and very important uh, pieces uh, to think about as we, as we look to any study of Scripture, but especially the book of Romans. Progress from right thinking to right practice, and you can stop there, but then to caring uh, to take the same message of right thinking to right practice to the world. Okay? Um, and then number three, this is an odd one, the world needs more Christians like Robert Haldane. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, so who is this guy? Um, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of commentaries on the book of Romans. Um, many of you, everybody probably has their favorite. Kyle has already read six new ones <clears throat> just on the flight to, to vacation this past couple weeks ago. I'm like, all right, Kyle. He's like, all right, what, what, uh, what commentary should we get? I'm like, well, listen, I'm going to focus on the Bible, <laughs> and then I'm going to maybe get one. And, uh, but... Kyle's on a whole different level, which I'm so grateful for. Um, so he's, he, you know, everybody's got a, a, a different commentary they like. Um, how many have, have heard or read or have this? Okay, not a whole lot, but some of you, okay. Um, so this guy, uh, there's a couple reasons I say this. Um, I'm going to read you a couple, a couple little t- things here to consider. Um, this guy, just quick facts, born in London in 1764, um, converted as an adult in the midst of the French Revolution. Okay? 
converted as an adult in the midst of the French Revolution, and then devoted his life to the spread of the gospel by building chapels and training students. Building churches, training students. And what happens after that is those students get sent out to go take that same message and do the same thing in other places. And he did that. He sparked what some called the Haldane Revival uh, around, uh, throughout France. Um, much fruit came from his expositions of Romans. Uh, what he did was gather people up and said, hey, let's just talk about Romans. Let's do that. And he did that. Much fruit came. Um, it, it led to uh, encouragement by a lot of these men that he was speaking to and encouraging these students he was training. And they said, hey, we need to write this stuff down. And that produced a commentary in French. I mean, he was born in London, right? Converted in the midst of the French Revolution. And his commentary on Romans began in French. So tell you a little bit about his about his heart and about his uh, influence uh, during that time. Um, he saw a mess, and he said, I need to bring truth to this, to this mess. Um, English work began in three volumes in 1835 and later combined into one volume that we see here, Banner of Truth, published this one. He died in December the 12th, 1842, uh, quoting as he passed, as he died, as he went to see the Lord, forever with the Lord, forever uh, forever. Um, I want to read you a couple things um, uh, from this to give you some context. These are, this is from uh, the introduction. Uh, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote uh, a couple of these things, and I'll, I'll give you some, some things here to consider. As a commentary, Tom, Thomas Chalmers strongly recommended it. Spurgeon put it in the front rank, and more recently, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones owed much profit and pleasure to it. The truce of Christianity, which had first overturned Haldane's own life, brought a major spiritual upheaval in Geneva and far beyond when he preached through Romans on a prolonged visit to the continent in 1817. Regarding the epistle as a, as a condensed and comprehensive summary of all the leading doctrines of Scripture, he was not surprised at the opposition its teaching produced, far from diminishing his zeal. It only confirmed for him the evangelical truce there revealed. Prevailing fashions of unbelieving scholarship made no impression on Haldane. The Bible of the profoundly erudite scholar is often a book that is not so necessary to instruct him as one that needs his hand for alteration or amendment or confirmation. Learning may be a curse instead of a blessing. It will raise clouds of darkness instead of communicating light to the world. Haldane writes both to instruct and to move. He is both an expositor and a preacher, and while he upholds orthodoxy, it is not as an end in itself. It must lead to love and life. Supreme reverence for the word of God without reference either to human tradition or human speculation was said to be his strength. And his exposition of Romans has inspired many others to enter more deeply into that same spirit. And then later, um, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes in the foreword of this commentary, um, he talks, about, um, he talks about the importance of commentaries in general. And then he said, That which gives an unusual and particularly endearing value to this commentary is the history that lies behind it. In 1816, Robert Haldane, be, being about 50 years of age, went to Switzerland and to Geneva. There, to all outward appearances, as if by accident, he came into contact with a number of students who were studying for the ministry. 
They were all blind to spiritual truth, but felt much attracted to Haldane and to what he said. He arranged, therefore, that they should come regularly twice a week to the rooms where he was staying, and there he took them through and expounded to them Paul's epistle to the Romans. One by one, they were converted, and their conversion led to a true revival of religion, not only in Switzerland, but also in France. They included um, various men that I won't um, burden you with the pronunciation, um, but so many that I recognize and you would too. There were also others who were greatly used of God in the revival. It was at the request of such men that Haldane decided to put into print what he had been telling them, hence this volume. And one cannot read it without being conscious of, conscious of the preacher as well as the uh, expositor. What, distinguished French, what a distinguished French minister, Dr. Reuben Salian, said of what became known as Haldane's revival can be applied with equal truth to this commentary. The three main characteristics of Haldane's revival, as it was sometimes been called, were these. It gave a prominent emphasis to the necessity of a personal knowledge and experience of grace. That's important. Personal knowledge and experience of grace. It maintained the absolute authority and divine inspiration of the Bible, and it was Calvinistic in doctrine. God grant that it may produce that same love and life in all who read it. Uh, Dr. Jones there um, on Haldane's commentary. So why do I highlight this? There's probably many things we could, we could highlight. Um, Haldane here in, this, in, in, the, in, the, in his words on, on the introduction to Romans, uh, he, he, he contrasts the Psalms in the Old Testament, the significance of the Psalms in the Old Testament with uh, the epistle to the Romans in the New Testament. He says, in the New Testament, the epistle of the Romans is entitled to peculiar regard. It's the only part of Scripture which contains a detailed and systematic exhibition of the doctrines of Christianity, the great truths which are embodied and inculcated in every other part of the Bible are here brought together in a condensed and comprehensive form. More especially, the glorious doctrine of justification by faith is clearly unfolded and exhibited in the strongest light. So, why is this something to consider? Um, why is Haldane's life something to consider as we think about we're getting ready to jump into a study uh, of the book of Romans? Well, he's in a culture that's difficult, right? Uh, hostile. Um, he sees a need, um, and he becomes, obviously, he's converted. He's obviously a scholar. Uh, he's got much to give. And oftentimes we think about how we want our life to be significant, right? We, we think about ourselves and our contributions as, um, you know, we want to be about, we, we, we talk about up front about uh, having a mindset of being about something bigger than yourself, um, but not, uh, not in the context of, of having more significant impact beyond yourself. Just a matter of humility and saying, what I'm doing uh, is way, what God's doing is way bigger than me, right? And, you know, this guy, he said, God's put me around some students that are students of the ministry who are unconverted, who seemed lost, right? And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to roll up my sleeves here, and I'm just going to sit with these, these guys. And, you know, they met in the rooms where he was staying, is what it says. So this is a guy of, of immense, as if you have this, or if you get it now, because I'm telling you about it, you'll realize very uh, detailed, deep, scholarly thoughts on 
the words of Scripture. Uh, but he's content to sit uh, in his room where he's staying and talk to future leaders of the church and explain to them the truths of Scripture and why it matters. And God used that to inspire a revival uh, in France. And their encouragement was to put this into writing, and now it's impacting people uh, today. So you got a man who um, had a certain, I mean, he, he converted as an adult, right? So he had, you know, we talk about the uh, time we have on this earth to spend um, to, to, to hopefully live for God's glory. Um, he had a much shorter time um, because of, you know, the, the, the point in his life when he was converted. But he's got this little snippet, and he, can, he is not concerned about massive influence. He's about being faithful um, in, this, in, in the context and in the opportunity God's given him in this little amount of time, right? And who could have imagined what God would do uh, through that little bit of influence and little bit of time he spent influencing others, uh, building chapels, training students, sending them out. No amount of time, no amount of effort is insignificant in, 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 the, in, the, in God's larger um, plan of redemption. And know that God had a plan for Robert Haldane's evenings, sitting with people in his room, just these men that, that came across his, his, his experience, his, his, his uh, interactions. Uh, and God also has a plan for each of you, where you are, where God's put you in 2023, in this church, and in the places that you live. Um, big influence. Um, okay, so why? Because the book is directly relevant. To, to where we are today. And you're going to see a lot of things as we go through that are going to make you think, wow, that doesn't seem very different than where we are now. Um, Paul's epistle to the Romans is highly practical. You can take it and you can, you can get a lot of what you need to know all in one book of the Bible. Um, and then the third is uh, look at Haldane's life and, and go and do likewise. Go into the world. Um, okay, so I'm going to dive in a little bit to give you a little flavor. Um, Lots, a lot of the things that we've talked about in, in covenant theology class and in uh, you know, our different church, uh, mission of the church studies and things we've done in Sunday school um, find a lot of our, uh, we find a lot of our rooting, our, our scriptural rooting in uh, the book of Romans. And I want to just give you a couple highlights to give you some idea of the depth. Uh, and then I want to give you the big picture overview in terms of the outline, which is what you see in your handout. Um, and then we'll look a little bit in the time we have left uh, to the schedule of how we're going to get through this together. So um, open up your, your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. You know, we've, we, the first three chapters of Romans... Uh, deals with the three different ways that, um, as he summarized, that, uh, that demonstrate to us our need for a Savior. Um, uh, it's often been said that it's, it's much more clear uh, our need for salvation when we understand uh, very acutely how much in need we are. Um, and chapter 1 of Romans uh, deals with 
the unrighteousness of the world and of Gentiles specifically. In chapter 2, um, he contrasts that with uh, the lost uh, nature of the Jews and those who are under the law not being any better, but actually suffering from another problem. And Pastor Stewart preached on that uh, last week, Romans chapter 2. Um, and then the third is now you've got those who have no law, those who have the law, chapter 2, and then chapter 3, we're all in the same boat. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, just in different ways it's applied based on the foundation. So Romans chapter 1, um, let's walk through this together. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, his beginning, uh, very beginning, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, and that's not even the end of the sentence. Um, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, throughout uh, the book of Romans, the, the depth, and we're going to dive into this in a lot more detail um, in the different lessons, but the depth of the tie uh, in terms of we've, we've done covenant theology right and looked across the Bible the one message from the Old Testament to the New from from creation all the way until uh, until glory um, this tie of all pointing to Christ from before and back to Christ after and to glory as we look uh, to the second coming um, Romans is filled with this uh, pull and remembrance of Old Testament truths into the the context where where Paul finds himself in speaking to the Roman church. Um, on to the next section. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may not at last succeed coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual strength, some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Next, the thesis, as we said, of, of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, the very, the very first, I think next week, uh, Marshall, I believe, uh, who's here? Is Marshall here? He's leading worship. Uh, Marshall, Marshall said, told me um, years ago, and then again as we started this, um, what does he say about a brer rabbit in the briar patch? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he said, you know, this is, uh, Romans is like his 
place. He said, I'll teach every one of these lessons. Um, and I uh, would love to have him do it. Um, uh, I think next week he's going to be dealing at the very first lesson um, with just these first verses of thinking about the righteousness of God. Um, the righteousness of God. That contrast set up right from the beginning. Um, uh, the God who never changes. Uh, everything going on around us contrasted against the righteousness of God. Um, so look forward to hearing Marshall um, next week and I think um, quite a few weeks as we go through uh, this fall and spring. Um, so contrasting with righteousness is unrighteousness, which is the next week. Uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So the characteristic of unrighteousness is suppression of truth. And if we're honest with ourselves, what our weakness is in our own personal lives and, and where we falter is suppression of truth, not believing God's promises, uh, worrying uh, about our lives or about our children or about what's coming next or about the world around us, about political upheaval, the economy. Um, we suppress the truth. We don't trust God. And that's nothing new. That's, that's all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What, what, where, what happened with Adam and Eve? Well, the temptation was um, you don't really believe that God uh, wants you to do this. You, you want to have you are, are you want to have the knowledge that 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 God has um, don't trust God go this step go take one step further um, and then that same uh, sin that first uh, covenant that was broken uh, is just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again and, and the problem with men and women is that we suppress the truth um, following on for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them now remember this first is in the looking at looking at the church in Rome looking at the the unbelievers the non-Jew the Gentiles of the, the culture around uh around Rome and observing what's going on right and you can do the same thing here right you can look at all the people that aren't in the church and you can say for what can be known about God is plain God even tells us because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So the progression to a, de to a, a, bro a debased sinful culture is suppression of truth to darkened foolish hearts. Step one, suppression of truth. Step two, darkened foolish hearts. And then what comes downstream of that? Verse 24 Suppression of truth, don't believe God, don't believe the truth about God. Your hearts become darkened, you become foolish, and then therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. 
So why is, our, why, why is the world around us broken? Why is Romans relevant to us today? Just right from the beginning, right from the very start, because we and everybody else, and that's an important, it's really easy to look around and say, these other people are suppressing the truth. We and our culture around us suppresses the truth. Our foolish hearts are darkened. And then we decide uh, in that state to exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship the creature rather than the creator. This is, this is fundamental to why uh, a study of the book in Romans is important. Uh, it's exactly what we do in our hearts. Now what happens next? Then all kinds of things start to go wrong in the culture and even in our own hearts. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Um, So it's interesting, and uh, the progression here is important. It's interesting to see how uh, in Romans chapter 1, it goes, from, uh, it goes from suppression of the truth to foolish, darkened hearts to worshiping the creature rather than the creator to what most of us in reading these words would consider as really, really bad, right? Um, and not one of the boxes that are in most of our camps of, of, of troubles we have, right? Uh, you think about a lot of people will look at this and say, well, this makes it inapplicable to me. I'm not that bad, right? Um, but then where does Paul go next? It's, it's, it's brilliant, actually, uh, to punch you between the eyes, which is what this next is. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to what ought not to be done. So again, the progression is, the progression is suppression of truth, um, foolish darkened hearts, worshiping the creature rather than the creator, and then a debased mind, uh, doing what ought not to be done. They were filled with all these same people from the previous verses. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. This still sounds like, yeah, I'm okay. It's not me, right? I'm okay there. Uh, I'm not quite that bad. And then it's like, and then he just starts sliding in these other words and that make you hopefully wake up. Um, these are much more common. They're gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Walk through the kids with this one a lot. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. These things are starting to get a little bit more directly applicable to like last week, right? Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So the progression is, again, suppression of truth, foolish, darkened hearts, worshiping the creature rather than the creator, God giving you up to the debased mind to do what ought not to be done, and then finally downstream all that's happening is you, me, the world around us, not only doing the things that are wrong, but giving approval to those who practice them, and more, more, and more important, celebrating them as individuals in a culture. And, and, and then in chapter 2, which we won't go to, into, 
But in chapter 2, these are the people that are suppressing the truth, right? These are the people that are suppressing the truth. The other contrast are those that are clinging to uh, the law as their self-righteous answer to um, the world around them. Um, And Paul does a great job of punching one group of people in the eye and then uh, the next group of people to the point that after chapter 3, we all should be like, feeling not very good about ourselves, right? If, if not for the rest of the book, we'd be pretty depressed. Um, and this thinking um, is rooted all the way back. And uh, I, I want to tie just in your minds briefly uh, how we began the, the study in covenant theology uh, to the book of Romans. So it's a wonderful thing to go from that foundation, of it, that holistic picture of, of, of God's covenant, um, the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, God's covenants, um, uh, to our study in Romans. That foundation is great. Um, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7.1 says, the distance between God and the creature is so great. So Paul just kind of walked us through that, right? God's righteousness, our unrighteousness, and all those things at some level should hit home. The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do obedience to him as their creator, yet they can never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. Remember, God met us uh, in, in, in covenant theology. God doesn't need... Um, to enter into a covenant with us. He came down, condescended, he came to us. Uh, he doesn't need us, but he came down to us and enter in, entered into a covenant. Um, and that covenant um, was the covenant, began with the covenant of works. Acts chapter 17 illustrates that. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human's hands, as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God doesn't need us, yet he chooses to enter into covenant. Um, now, this first covenant made with man, chapter 7.2, very next progression of the Westminster Confession, was a covenant of works, right? And if you remember back, we talked about this in the, at the very beginning of covenant theology. Life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition, very simple, obedience. Don't suppress the truth. I told you what to do, just do it, right? And yet, right from the beginning, he suppresses the truth. Um, And we know right from Genesis chapter 2, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded him, you may surely eat of every tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we know the fall uh, in Genesis chapter 3. And then right back to Romans... So when we're in Romans now, and this, I'm fast-forwarding to Romans chapter 5, uh, we got, we're going to be in God's righteousness, man's unrighteousness, the, the law keeper, the, the self-righteous law keeper's unrighteousness in chapter 2, all ascend and fall short of the glory of God in chapter 3, we're all sinners uh, under, uh, in the sight of God, uh, and then we start getting into the answer, um, and immediately... Paul ties in Romans chapter 5, and I highlighted some things here um, to look at. Paul ties all the way back uh, to Adam and that connection between Adam and Christ. Uh, We're going to be in some deep waters here in in Romans, and Paul brings us this long view connection in the Bible um, as he's talking about these answers. Things things in Romans aren't unique. 
uh, they're, as we, they're in our current context, but in the larger view of God's in, beyond, way beyond us, the bigger thing than us, um, story of redemption, how he's bringing people to himself. Um, so I'll, let, I'll just leave that there for you to, for you to, to look at. And then finally, um, in the covenant of works, as we connect Adam, the first Adam who couldn't keep the covenant, to Christ who could uh, keep the covenant, the co- God doesn't change, right? He, he, he said, this is uh, the covenant, the requirements of the covenant. Somebody's got to keep it. Uh, and in the notes of the Reformation Study Bible on the covenant of works, it says only one human being has ever kept the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. Praise God for it. That person was Jesus. His work as the second or new Adam fulfilled all the terms of our original covenant with God. His merit in achieving this is available to all who put their trust in him. And more than just put their trust, uh, Neil talks a lot in his sermons and illustrations about being united to Christ. He talks about merged bank accounts, if you remember. i got to say it in an Irish accent. Um, uh, the bank accounts merge, right? And what that means is the, the, the two become one. And we, uh, God, in our union with Christ, God looks on us. Christ gets our unrighteousness, and we get Christ's righteousness. That's what the union in Christ is. And when, we, when God looks upon us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ's righteousness. And Christ really keeps the covenant of works on our behalf. And because Christ keeps the covenant of works, we do too, if we're in Christ. Jesus is the first person to get into heaven by his good works. You heard it here in a, rep- in, a, in, a, in a Presbyterian church. We also get into heaven by good works. That's the second, that's the second sound bite you can take to the, the Reformation, um, uh, presbyterianchurch.com. They become our good works when we receive Christ by faith. It's just a great couple sentences here. When we put our faith in Christ, God credits the good works of Christ to our account. The covenant of grace fulfills the covenant of works because God graciously applies the merit of Christ to our account. Thus, by grace, we meet the terms set forth in the covenant of works. And Paul expands on this truth from different angles uh, in the book of Romans in the first 11 chapters. And then into into chapter 12 and following, we have how you go into the world, how you go into life in Rome, right? How you go to life in America— in light of these truths. Um, so briefly, uh, briefly an outline of, of Romans. Um, and we're, this is a bigger, this is a higher level outline. This is in your handout. This is a bigger picture outline so you can kind of orient yourself. Uh, we're going to take a, cl- a slower step. Um, we first made a schedule to get through Romans in the fall. Um, uh, Kyle did that and he's like, you know what? This is way too fast. Um, you know, I've I've read six commentaries in the first week. <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get really going after we go after I get a little bit a couple more weeks. Um, so we broke it up, and now the 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 outline you're only going to see through chapter seven or so um, to Christmas, and then um, the rest will be in the spring. We do have a plan to finish um, um, by the conclusion of Sunday school for this year. So um, so we start out. We we went through the first fifteen verses, all through seventeen uh, through seventeen verses. Paul's greeting, personal introduction. He's beginning the letter, and he states his thesis, uh, verse sixteen and seventeen: the righteousness of God for Jew and Gentile. Um, and then we get into chapter one, two, and three, like I talked about: Gentile sinfulness, suppression of truth, debased mind. Um, as we just walked through, chapter two is Jewish sinfulness. Three is universal sinfulness. You come from this perspective, you come from this perspective, 
you're prioritizing two different things, but you're really in the same place before God. Um, and then in chapter 3, verse 5, or sorry, chapter 3 through 5, we get into start to understanding the answer and tying back to Adam. So um, chapter 3 there, verse the latter half, um, righteousness is provided by Christ. Um, and then we have a whole chapter there looking back to Abraham as, as Paul ties, uh, ties these, this, this covenant view of the scriptures back to Abraham. Um, guarantees blessings for the righteous in chapter 5. And then rooted as we walk, as I've highlighted those verses 12 through 21, rooted in the obedience of Christ, the new Adam, uh, which began uh, obviously with the first Adam. Um, now, chapter 6 through 8, God reigns through God's righteousness, sin's dominion broken and its influence resisted. So now the problem is our unrighteousness. The answer is Christ. And now the dominion of sin that's over us, the dominion of darkness that's just that's taken over us, we no longer, the truth is not completely suppressed. Uh, at the point that you're justified, your union with Christ, there's something that changes. And now you have this war, right? You're at war uh, in your body and in your actions. Um, the Holy Spirit is in your heart calling you away from darkness, calling you true the, to the truth where it's not so easy. It's real easy to suppress the truth, but it's a lot harder when the Holy Spirit's working in your heart and tugging on your, uh, your jacket coat saying, hey, you can, you, can set, you can suppress the truth in your actions, but it doesn't mean that the truth isn't there. And that pull, 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 pull is that resistance of sin. And that's, that starts to unpack. We start to unpack in chapter 6 what sanctification looks like. What the progression from justification of, of God gr- granting you his righteousness in your union with Christ to how this works its way out. And this beautiful, um, in chapter 7, this beautiful, Paul just recounting before us, and if we had time I'd go there and read it because I love it, this progression of what it's like in Paul's life, to know what I should do. It's, I know. I don't, I'm not suppressing the truth anymore. I can't say I don't know the truth. It's, I know what I should do, and I want to do what's right, but I do the opposite. And that's the, that's the, the, the war part. And Paul's like so uh, beautifully uh, walking us through what's going on in his heart. Um, and if you're honest, it relates pretty, pretty well with what's going on in each of ours. That's chapter 7. Um, and then into chapter 8, um, Romans 8, 28, wonderful verse that we probably all memorized. Um, then into chapter 9, God demonstrates his righteousness in Jew and Gentile. So he's connecting, he's, he's bring, coming back full circle here, um, and he's connecting uh, the, the history of the Jewish people um, in chapter 9, received only by faith in chapter 10, and then revealed in the Jew and the Gentile in chapter 11. He's pulling it all back together where everybody is falling short of the glory of God and in all those uh, different backgrounds, God pulls it all together. Um, And then in chapter 12, he shifts. He doesn't stop with just right thinking. He shifts to now, you got to get out. You got to go to work the next day. You got to go out into the world. And we've got some exhortation, some instruction in living life in light of these truths. Um, Both uh, in chapter 12 there in the ministry, in, in the body of Christ. Um, in chapter 13, you've got discussion of authority and how to live in the reality of political life, social life. Um, 
COVID-19 maybe in <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, all these things about authority and how we understand you know, the place that God's put us uh, and how we're to live in the world. Um, and then the weak and the strong. God puts us not only, God not only gives us truth, he not only puts us uh, in a certain cultural context, context but he puts us in, in these places with other people. And how do you do that? How do you unpack that? How do you, how do you live in light of that? And then finally in 15 and 16, we've got um, uh, greetings, future plans. We understand some of the context or the occasion of the, of the, of the, of the writing of the letter to the Romans uh, from these verses in chapter 16 that we looked at at the beginning. Um, his um, greetings and his doxology and blessing on the people. Um, so that's kind of the big picture outline. Um, this was published uh, on the website uh, in terms of an outline of where we're going. Um, Laura sent out an email uh, for the Sunday school class. Uh, there's a link on there on the website that'll take you to you know, the page for, for these classes. Also, I think the, the audio for each class will be lo- uploaded there. Um, and class notes, so things like the handout that you have in your hand with with many elders and Kyle teaching the style of what you're going to get in terms of a handout. It's going to be all over the map because the beautiful thing about a plurality of, of elders and teachers is no, no man thinks the same way. Um, so, Jim, you're just going to have pictures. And, and Jim has joked with me that I should make an outline in Excel and just calculate the answers. Um, always picking on me about that but this is where we're going through Christmas so you you can see we're roughly spending two weeks per chapter Um, and the teachers they didn't put the teachers here but um, you're going to hear from pretty much every elder I believe Um, definitely Kyle will be we've we've set up the the um, um, preaching uh, our goal and we haven't we haven't talked about this a lot um, but our goal uh, through the fall um, as we remember um, God's care for us and our congregation is to bring in, is to have some, some, some steady series preaching. Um, so Kyle's going to preach two or three weeks in a row um, because we want to um, maintain some level of, of continuity, right? Um, but we're also going to bring in men um, approximately once per month uh, that have had some impact uh, in our church's life over the years uh, to speak to us in this time, to give us some context and help us to remember that Christ is the only king and head of the church and for us to be grateful for it. So um, we're going to have Dr. Belcher, uh, we're going to have Bill Marsh, we're going to have Paul Molner, um, who, uh, as, a, as a word of encouragement to you all and prayer, I, 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 Jim and I uh, met for uh, two hours on Friday uh, with uh, a pastoral candidate that we have, as a church, have been praying for, um, for their church plant in Atlanta, Covenant of Grace, for um, well over a year now, and just was a very encouraging meeting. Uh, our prayer is that this man is, uh, that God confirms him, and Paul, uh, in his very long duty of having a full-time job and preaching, will be able to um, just be an elder in the church plant uh, that we've um, been supporting down there, uh, which uh, we're so grateful for. So he'll come and uh, preach for us. And then Dean Turbeville is going to come and preach as well. Many of you probably don't even know who Dean is, but he had a massive impact on 
on our church a number of years ago uh, and have been a constant brother uh, to our session and praying for us and being always present and ready um, at Sovereign Grace PCA down in, down in Charlotte. He's a pastor in residence down there, uh, but was a longtime ARP pastor for most of his uh, career. So he'll be up to. Um, so on those Sundays, <clears throat> all that being said, on those Sundays when we have the guest preacher uh, come in, um, Kyle will be in here. So we wanted to have continuity in Kyle's many roles, and we wanted to have continuity in the pulpit and continuity in Kyle being able to continue to teach. Um, so you're going to see all that happening uh, over the fall. So um, any questions or comments? <laughs> all right well let me let me close us in prayer uh, as is our as is our uh, kind of family life here at Christ Covenant during on these uh, Sunday school starts we uh, we're starting everything at nine o'clock uh, as you've figured out um, and uh, we worship doesn't start to 11 so you've got some time for uh, to hang out with one another to talk um, and then worship uh, for all of you will be begin as usual at, at 11. So enjoy the coffee and anything out there. And if you have children, um, if you have children, uh, think about picking them up. I wish I had. The, the covenanter said pick up your children promptly by 1030. So does anybody know, do you know, does anybody know if the curriculum is planned till 1030 or is it just, hey, it is, okay. So there, there is content all the way till 1030. So you got 25 minutes here to, to not worry about your your children if they are uh, in the various classes. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness to us. We thank you for uh, your word and truth. And uh, we thank you for little opportunities in our reading and in our prayer to connect um, other people's lives and experiences as you did for uh, me this week and looking at Haldane and the history of his life. Um, to inspire us to go and do likewise. And I pray that you would bless uh, each uh, man and woman here uh, this morning, that you would uh, be with us as we, as we walk through um, this book uh, of Romans together, that you would help us to rightly think, uh, to, uh, to live our lives for, to your glory and to have a heart for going into the world um, and uh, living in the place that you've put us um, to your glory. Uh, I pray that you would bless each of us here, help us to worship you in the next coming hour uh, in spirit and in truth. Fill us up with a spirit of gratitude and awe uh, for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>